Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to Sofa Cinema Club. I'm Colson Smith and as always, I'm joined by Jack P. Shepherd, Ben Worley. <laughs> Very good. The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on films. Now, it's all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week we jump into the studio, we watch a film, and we talk about what we loved, hated, and rated. Now, the beauty of our film club is that anyone can join in. All you've got to do is watch along with the film at home, join us every Thursday to find out what we thought of the film. This week's film has been chosen by Jack and Ben for me to watch, and it is... Am I right in saying the classic? Yeah. True Romance. But before we get into talking all things True Romance, which is quite hard to say, as always, how's your week been? Uh, Pretty good. I went to go watch a bit of stand-up comedy. Ricky Gervais was on at the Apollo in Manchester. Like a warm-up show, test-testing the audience. Yeah, he does warm-up gigs, doesn't he, before um, the Netflix show. So this is one of his uh, super nature was his uh, show, it was. Uh, it didn't take, talk much about nature, but uh, it's very funny, very funny man. Always loved him. And I took my on-screen wife, Julia Golding. <laughs> my on-screen wife. I like the way you said that. Like, you've got many wives. You've many wives. I've got a lot of wives. I've got my on-screen wife. I've got my off-screen wife. <laughs> yeah, she was available for that night. So. <laughs> <laughs> and was it a case of, he is funny, like, all the time, or was some of it a bit shit? Uh, no. Um, it, the thing is, I like him. And I think with Ricky Gervais, you either love him or hate him. There is a lot of people that go, oh, I don't like him. or And, and that's comedy, isn't it? How long did he do? Two hours? No, 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 no. Uh, an, hour and, an hour and 15, which is above standard. I think a standard's an hour, isn't it, these days? What, no interval? No, no interval. Straight through. But you thought it was good, yeah? Yeah, I liked it, yeah. Why do you say it as... No, um, one of my friends went. Oh, right, okay. They saw you there in the green room, but they didn't want to go and do the old... Oh, hold on, in the green room. Ah, yes. Oh, hold on, I'm not going... I don't fucking walk in through the front door. No, no. I'm sitting with Ricky and he goes, look, Jack, don't be a shit here. Can you fuck off? I've got a show to do. So you were with Ricky backstage? No, 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 not that VIP. There is like a VIP bar that I sort of like, haggled my way into and um it's where you don't have to queue basically and you get to the bar quicker and yeah i was in there 
So he, your mate was in there as well, Coles? My mate was in there. He saw you and he didn't want to go up and say, Colson. So he kind of just left you to it. But um, he said that it was really good. He's a massive, like, he lo- loves Ricky Gervais. He said the first joke was really awkward. Nobody laughed. He, he said it felt a lot like he was trying to work out what was going in and what wasn't going in. I think he did say, he did say, he went, yeah, we'll cut that bit. That bit yeah. Because it is all oh, So just- it was filmed. No. I think he was he was testing jokes and he had jokes that were half written. Yeah. And he was saying half the joke and then he was like, this isn't finished yes. yet. So it's all just about audience, you know, reaction. So if he gets a big laugh on this, then that'll stay in. And if he doesn't on that, then that'll probably get cut. You know, it's just all, it's just all that. But it was good. I liked it. Stand-up comedy is hard, isn't it? Like, it must be a really hard thing to do. Well, I suppose it's one of those things that's fuck hard for 10 years... And then if you make it, mm. it gets much easier because everyone's bought a ticket to see you. Mm. Do you fancy it, Coles? A bit of stand-up comedy? I was going to ask you two the same question. I can see you doing a bit. What's your best joke? <laughs> There's an Englishman, a Scottishman and I. <laughs> Do you know what, actually? My, my mate told me a good joke. Are you ready for this? Oh, this is okay. completely Yeah. This is what I got told over the weekend by my friend Luke Edwards, who I think probably could be like a stand-up comedian if he tried. So basically, um, there's this lad, he's nine years old, and he loves tractors, yeah? His bedroom, he's got posters of John Deere's, Massey Ferguson's, he loves tractors, wallpaper, tractor t-shirts, tractor hats, everything, the kid's tractor mad, yeah? Mm. Anyway, one day, sadly, his um, his mum gets killed by a tractor. The irony. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he's he's no longer a tractor fan. Um, and in later life, he's trying to, you know, he's made a new life for himself. And, you know, you, you couldn't tell who he used to be. He's, he's a new guy. He's a new man. And um, he gets into the dating scene. So he goes on a date and he goes to the alchemist. And this cocktail comes over and it, 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 it's smoking. And the girl goes, I can't see you. It's smoking. So this lad inhales all the smoke. And she goes, how'd you do that? And he went, oh, I'm an extractor fan. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Colson's still laughing he's still laughing the tough bit on, on stand-up comedy is when you laugh yeah. more than the audience yeah. I'm sure it's the delivery it's the did delivery. you not like that one it's absolutely gone no, it's, it's a dad joke it's, it's a classic dad yeah joke. but it works nice doesn't it Oh. <laughs> yeah, but not maybe quite as well as your head's fallen right off. He's an extractor fan. Extractor fan. I don't know what my best joke would be. I used to love stand-up comedians. Like, I used to really enjoy... I used to love Tim Vine, like, how quick he is. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Tim Vine. You know when you go to the award things... Mm. And you have a stand-up person before, don't you? Warm up the audience because he's on telly and you're sat there. Yeah. And everyone's had a meal or whatever. And I can't remember which one it was, but it's for work. And we sat there and Tim Vine got up and uh, he said, right, I'm going to do... And he told a couple of... He does quick-fire jokes, he doesn't does, he? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. loads. Yeah. He has a world record for the most jokes in a minute. Does he? Yeah. So and it, those are all very good, one of it. And then, and then he, he goes... Right, I'm going to do a magic trick. It's called pen behind the ear, right? He gets a pen and he flicks it to his face and tries to land it behind his ear. And he misses. It's fucking hard to do. 
Try and get a pen behind you. So he misses. He does it again. He misses. He gets out a box of pens. He's going to keep going until he gets it behind the ear. And he said, there's a song to this and it's called Pen Behind the Ear. Can you all sing it? So you go, pen behind the ear, pen behind the ear. Easy, easy eight minutes. (laughs) And And I'll tell you what, it went from like groans, like went off first off funny. Then it went a bit like, oh, this is a bit weird. It's going to keep going. But then by the end, everyone was his, in hysterics because yeah. he kept going. There were thousands of pens behind him. He picked them back up. And then he went pen behind the ear, pen behind the ear. He got it behind his ear. The crowd went mentally <laughs> went, good night. That's good night. <laughs> <laughs> well done, lad. That is brilliant. Pen behind the ear. And he went, good night. I'm off. <laughs> He's worked out it'll take him 10 minutes to do. Yeah. And then that's the gig. It's weird, isn't it? Stand-up comedy, though, because it's more, it's a lot more than telling jokes and... Like we've obviously worked with comedians and some of them are hysterical and others you would never know that when they went on stage they could hold an audience like they hold audience. I think it's probably a really weird skill. Maybe we should try it. Maybe we should do a Sofa Cinema Club does stand up for a night. Maybe we need a Sofa Cinema joke. Sofa Cinema Club joke. What have you been up to this week? What's your joke? <laughs> Look at Shepard. Shepard thinking that's an absolute bobbin's idea. There's no way that we would, I'm doing that. Colson, what have you been up to? fairly quiet week really um sister it, she turned um 27 this week so we um we all went for a family meal mm. kind of a joint birthday meal because obviously mine last week hers this week so yeah we went out for dinner which was nice very civilized um went to the ivy they do this um they do this perfiteroles um dessert hold on what's the one you like Chocolate bomb. Yeah, they do the chocolate bomb. <laughs> I love the chocolate bomb. <laughs> I think that's what you said once. Do you remember? You pour the stuff in it and it's chocolate on chocolate. i tell you something, Ben, what I've now worked out. I went to the Ivy in Leeds, but the Ivy in Manchester, where us three occasionally go, it's on three floors, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So top floor is one menu, middle floor is one menu, and then bottom floor is the same as the top. Now, the middle floor, their dessert they have a white chocolate chocolate bomb, but I don't like the mains on the middle course. So I've got a plan the next time we go to the Manchester one. To say nip downstairs. Yeah, we can have a table upstairs for mains. <laughs> or we could even do a table on one floor for starter, upstairs for mains, middle floor for dessert. Perfect. They don't do the same desserts. Ooh, it's a different a menu, faff. isn't it? Mm, it's completely oh, different. A but anyway, yeah, our dessert massive <laughs> absolutely what, massive what like the party bucket yeah. the KFC party Have a, <laughs> what was it like 50 profit what are they called profit profiteroles profiteroles there was probably eight and they were big they were like Yorkshire puddings yeah they were big I think that's about been my week really Ben anything London as in the capital yeah that's what it's known for the capital <laughs> not another London not Lond- Londonium sightseeing well we, i lived there for a long time so the sites are sort of i've done the sites yeah i think i was there for like 30 years or something but we did go to the tate britain and i like this artist called rothko and he's famous for like very deep red or brown paintings there's nothing in them but they're really huge i love them 
sat there with my son and I went, these are amazing, amazing pictures. There was no one there. And it was a Turner exhibition in Rothko. And I said, these are absolutely amazing. He sat down with me, gave it <laughs> 10 seconds. He said, I think they're a bit rubbish, Dad. And, <laughs> and then knacked off. And then knacked off. And then we went and saw Turner and all that. And then we went, you know, sometimes in an art gallery, you have those installations where it's sound installations with a bit of art. But what's the... They pump, like, ambient sort of music. No, so sometimes what you get is, like, it will be a visual artist. So he'll put something on the screen, then you have immersive music around it. It's meant to be like a piece where visually, you know, it will be... Like a live action. Yeah. Like this Van Gogh experience where you lay on the floor and it's sound and pictures uh, moving. We've been to that in France. In the I biggest cave system. We have then. I was like, have no, we? Me, me and the kids went to it in France. And that is in London at the moment. And it is mint. Yeah. So they project Van Gogh all over the place and then play this music. It's unreal. But we went to this one in the Tate. <laughs> we both sat there 10 seconds. Crap. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were looking at one of the Rothko paintings. And I didn't realise... A lad, like five years ago, went in with a paintbrush and some black ink Painting and wrote his that. name all over the corner. Oh, wow. And one of the guys who was there said, where's the graffiti? And he said, oh, it's the bottom right-hand corner. Have a look. And you could just see it. And it took them six months and 200,000 quid to clean it off. Jesus. He just walked in, wow. painted his name graffitied his name in the corner of the theater. the paintings are worth upwards of 50 million yeah yeah went in with the paintbrush and gave it the old quick <laughs> hold my coat i'm just gonna write my name as if you wouldn't know who it was did you write that <laughs> god yeah so that was me london very good something else has just come to me actually oh so obviously i probably mentioned it a few times on this podcast but um i'm, I'm a big fan of the chicken franchise nando's oh you've said that like to get a special card there <laughs> i'm a big fan of the chicken franchise known as nando's if you do want to send me a black card it's p.o box <laughs> <laughs> p.o box so anyway the crisis is jack i'm not sure if you know this nando's has run out of chicken um but me and Ben yesterday went, what do you fancy for dinner? And Ben went, Nando's. And I was like, oh yeah, perfect. I can always get him on a Nando's. That's an absolute, <laughs> it's a 10 out of 10. He <laughs> says it to me and I just throw it up like a lob. Nando's? <laughs> yeah, 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 great. The text comes back within seconds. Yep, yeah, great. So, none of them are open, yeah? Like, there's about four in the country that are open. God. There was one in Manchester that was open. It only had chicken on the bone. So me and Ben are like, oh, well, no one wants that It's a no-go, shit. isn't it? It's a no-go. <laughs> I didn't realise it was such a bad thing. <laughs> oh, God, it's <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like, <laughs> I quite like it. No, I'd walk it, out. I'd say no. <laughs> oh, chicken on, what? Chicken on the, is that how it comes in real life? <laughs> <laughs> it's thighs or butterfly. It's butterfly all day yeah, long. See, I'm, 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 I, personally, I am a five. But don't you get a guy. bone in a thigh? No, not in the boneless, boneless thighs, Ben. Yeah, but oh, it's okay. all that brown meat. No one likes that shit. Breast is best. Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken connoisseur. So anyway, back to the point of my story. So me and Ben sit there and we go, right, Ben, we will dive into the depths of Deliveroo. 
which is a big, big deal. So we go onto his phone, the classic, you know when you press an app and it's bloody reinstall it and you've got to sit there two minutes. <laughs> we add that, we get Deliveroo up, we order, it comes, and then, you know, when we ordered a Lebanese jack. Mm. You know, you know when the restaurant leave you something <laughs> and it, it says on the box, it says, um, on the house, chef special, <laughs> lots of love from Yara or whatever. Right, okay. So me and Ben are there. We've, we've laid it out. We've got us, we've got us hummus and we've got us dips. And this chef special is a dip. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, his head fell off. And what he tried to do was that thing, you know, when you take something and you've thought to yourself, this is an absolutely massive mistake. Right. This is yeah. this is disgusting. I can't right, fucking. Yeah. He's he's pulled a face, but then regained his face to look at me and go, "Ooh, it's not bad. Try it." <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I don't oh. know what it was. Oh, oh, my head fell off. My head fell. Off. Of course, it was the chef special. Go on, I'll have it on us. <laughs> it's like they were having a laugh in the restaurant yeah. we'll give him this for free it tastes like shite <laughs> <laughs> it did make me laugh but the rest of the food was amazing oh like stunning but this whatever this was oh yeah they've just cleaned out the bottom of the fridge and just sho- shoved a load of shit in a tub and <laughs> give it to them goons off Cory. <laughs> oh that was funny that was funny yeah anyway let's do what we're here to do which is talk about film and this week's film as i said has been chosen by jack and ben from me and all you guys at home to watch and it is true romance so jack synopsis yes true romance follows um two people clarence Worley and alabama Worley. They get married early doors in the film. And it's basically a film about these two falling in love. But around that, there's also so much violence in the film. So it's quite unusual that it, it, it is a romantic film about their relationship, but there, there is quite a lot of violence in it. I, I, I don't really know any other film like that. And it follows these two and they find a case full of cocaine, basically, early doors from her call girl days um, when she used to have a pimp and that pimp was also a drug dealer. And she find, they get this case full of cocaine. They think it's a case full of her clothes, which it isn't. And then um, the whole film then centers around them trying to sell this case full of cocaine for some quick money. So it's worth about half a million dollars and they're trying to get $200,000 and just sort of like ride out into the sunset and have a bit of a life, basically. But the drugs is um, belongs to a known drug cartel, um, mobsters. So they're after the drugs. The police are after them. And yeah, it's just a world of shit of people after them uh, to kill them, basically. And they're on the run. A very popular film, this, wasn't it? It's, it's gone down really well on all of the social media. Loads of people getting in touch saying that they're watching it, they love the film. Yeah. One of those people, your girlfriend, big fan of the film? It's her favourite film of all time, yeah. Ooh, just, pressure, pressure. It's a 10 from Jack. It's her Hannah Montana. It is, yeah. I introduced her to this film a couple of years ago and she absolutely loved it. I think she loves it for um, Patricia Arquette, mainly. Is that Alabama? That's Alabama. Who is kissing Kate Barlow in Holes. Yes, she was, yeah. Same actress. 
So um, we were both really excited uh, when this popped up on the Sofa Cinema Club. So uh, yeah, we watched it and I watched it with her mum as well. We all sat down to watch the film. Her mum had never seen it before. <laughs> any awkward <laughs> moments there sitting with the mum? Any awkward, any phone, bo- phone booth awkward moments? No, there weren't any awkward situations. Um, she liked it. She did like it, I think. She loved the music. Obviously, all the songs are on your playlist. Yeah. And the music, You're So Cool, which kept coming on, is a song that you used to listen to all the time. So I knew I knew it, but I didn't quite understand what it was. And it took until the point in the film where she writes on the napkin, Yeah, You're So Cool, for me to kind of click as to, that was the name of the song, blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, me and Ben sat down to watch it. First time I've ever seen it. And yeah, it is quite um, the film, isn't it? In terms it sort of, of lulls you into a, a false sense of where the film's going to begin with. The title, True Romance, the overtune of the voiceover saying, how far would you travel for love, basically? Mm. This is how far I had to travel to Detroit. It makes it feel like it's going to be a true love story. A rom-com, something like that. Yeah, 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 it does. Gave you Harry Met Sally vibes. Yeah. When he's in the bar trying on with a girl and it doesn't work and then he goes to watch a film on his own and he sees this girl and it's almost too good to be true. You know, it kind of lures you into this false sense of security of it's going to be a very comfy film. Even to the point of when she's outside crying and then it's that really weird scene of one, two, skip a few where she goes, look, I've actually been hired to come and see you i'm a call girl but i want to say something to you i I think i'm in love with you and it like goes from level zero to level 100 and in that scene i think tony scott's done a really good job directing this because i loved i loved the intimate scenes between them both even in the diner after the film and the dialogue when they're getting to know each other and then even the love making scene usually i'm not too bothered about them but the way that you sort of shot it through like the silhouette with that tune over the background. And it's sort of like blue and moody. And I just thought it was... He is a camera master, I think. Yeah. I think both of them are. Mm. Both of them are very very visual. They both come from adverts. They think very visually. Mm. They place a shot very well. Like she was placed outside the window against that big poster. He makes a lot of what he's got. He uses big vistas all the time, so it gives you a real sense of you being in a big city. And he does it in LA. Yeah. Uh, And I think you're right. He shoots things extremely well. He still gives it that feeling of you're very much a viewer. You're very much in an intimate moment with them. It doesn't look too set up. No. It looks like he's kept it quite free. And, And conversely, that works very well when you kind of feel on edge. When things race up a bit, you start to feel on edge. The camera never really lets you sit and feel safe. You teased in the last episode, Ben, that you have met Tony Scott. Yes, I have. Uh, When I was younger and I came out of drama school, Tony Scott was doing a film. I think it was with David Barry or David Barry was doing the music. And you get an audition and then the, the meeting and they didn't tell me anything. And they said it's a film and it's shooting in America and you've just got to go to this office in the middle of Soho. Fine. Normally, you know, it's probably a casting director, isn't it? Mm. Maybe the director, whatever. It said nothing on it. It said, go to this address, ring on the doorbell, whatever. Anyway, I went there and I rang on this bell. This woman came to the door and went, oh, yeah, 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 go down the stairs. 
And in this studio was Tony Scott. Massive cigar, sat on this massive chair. And he went, hey, all right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And he went, sit down, let's have a chat. And he comes from, I think it's South Shields or North Shields up by me. All oh, right. And he talked to me all about his life. He didn't want me to read. He didn't say anything really about the film. He said, no, I just like talking to people. He said, I'm not really bothered about whether you can read it or you can act. I can think, I'm sure you can act. It wasn't that. Yeah. It was more, the way he said he worked was quite loose. So he just likes to work with people he liked. Yeah. He was quite amazing. He was quite, he had a real aura about him. Didn't get the job. Didn't get the job. <laughs> Didn't get the job. Funnily enough, funnily you mentioned that, that's a similar uh, sort of setup as to how Gary Ullman got the part for Drexel, who plays Alabama's pimp. He had a meeting with Tony Scott and he expected to read the scenes. Yeah. And he wasn't really interested in him reading them. They just sort of chatted and they got along and he said, what are your thoughts on what you want to do? And he went, well, I, I, what do you think? And he went, well, he's, he thinks he's black, but he's not. He's white. That's sort of it. I'm not going to tell you anything else about the film because you don't really need to know. It's just that. So whatever you want to do and bring to the table, fine. So he went, all right, I'll have a think. Went away. And then he just phoned him up and went, right, are you doing that film then or what? And he went, oh, um, yeah, all right. And he went, right, great. We start shooting soon. So bring whatever you've thought about doing for your character and then we'll, we'll have a go. Yeah, very much. That makes complete sense because I met him. He was in rock climbing gear. <laughs> and he had, he had a massive cigar he said yeah don't mind me I'm off rock climbing I think he just wanted to be around people he got on with yeah and then was like it will work out I don't know whether that's also because they've come from adverts so he's shot very quick he knows what he wants to shoot mm. and he can make it look like something mm. it's probably quite an interesting theory as well because one he knows you're good enough to be in the room so takes the talent and ability out of the question. Yeah. And it's more a, do I want to work with this person? And also, am I going to... Because he said, I'm not sure... It, I think they were to do with the army or something. And he said, he was just... And then he said, well, I might be doing this as well. Because we came from the same area. And he, I got the feeling he was like quite into that. Because he said, I don't meet many people from where we grew up. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Will he fit the part enough... But he took the acting out, so it wasn't awkward when you read and think, oh, I could have done it much better. I think it did backfire slightly when he first um, started filming scenes with Christian Slater. Which is who? Which is Clarence Worley. He's okay. the lead. Yeah. He came to the floor and he starts reading it in a certain way and he went, no, no, you, Christian, you've got it all wrong. It's not that. I need you to think like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. Go home, watch that, stop filming, and we'll carry on after you've seen that film. That's your homework. So Christian Slater at the time must have been, well, I suppose he was, wasn't he? He was a big money star. Yeah, and the producer didn't want Christian Slater. It was the studio that booked him, Warner Brothers. Um, he wanted Steve Buscemi. Uh, and Tarantino actually said he wrote it with um, somebody different in mind as well and didn't particularly want Christian Slater, but it was the studio that wanted him. So that's how he got the gig. And... Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what this sort of film would have been like had Tarantino directed it. Yeah. Taking nothing away from what Tony Scott's done, I think he has done an amazing job. So he goes from Detroit. 
And as soon as he has a conversation with his dad after they found the cocaine in the suitcase and after he's killed the pimp, which is kind of a weird start, isn't it? Because we go from a romance to him, then killing someone to show how much he loves her, then finding this mammoth amounts of cocaine. And then it's the road trip to LA, really, isn't it? But that scene when he comes face to face with Drexel, I mean, that's a classic Tarantino scene, isn't it? Where it's two people talking before they're going to draw guns, isn't yeah. it? Before something happens, there's always a big speech. There's always those big monologues of dialogue before the shit erupts. And I remember there being quite a split about how Oldman portrayed that character. There was quite a split. Some people really liked it. Some people really didn't like it. Really? I loved it. I loved it. Because I think it does... It starts you off on that, what a weird world. He goes from a kind of relatively calm world comic book world mm. and then into this really bad straight away you're right it's violent it's nasty he's getting beaten up mm. and then he shoots him in the balls the different characters that old man was playing at that time he's playing a psychopathic cop in leon he was playing bram stoker's dracula yeah in coppola's dracula he's playing lee Harvey oswald in jfk and he's playing that Drexel in True Romance. I mean, the range that the man's got is sublime. But I thought it was brilliant. And he brought everything to the table to his... Those weird fake sort of teeth that he had. Those different coloured eyes. The dreadlocks. He brought everything to the character. How come someone like Tarantino and Tony Scott can get people like Samuel L. Jackson and Gary Oldman to come in and play characters for one scene? I imagine it's the script. It's an actor's delight to probably get a script and the dialogue is that good where they don't need to change or anything. And you also got to remember, Colson, that we know Tarantino now. Yeah. But when he came out, it's like, it's a big, fresh voice. It's a, like, it's a real... Reservoir Dogs was enormous. Yeah. As a kind of hit. And then you're like, you could be in something that was... Re- you probably got very little commitment. You probably got two, three days filming. Well, Samuel L. Jackson could have been a day filming, couldn't he? Could have been a day, but then Samuel L. Jackson, and I'm absolutely sure Tarantino would have turned around and gone, you're in every film if you want. I'm just going to write parts for you all the way through. And he gets that. Oldman's only probably committed to two or three days, and you've got the chance of being in that film that everyone goes, oh, fuck. I mean, that was a classic. Mm. So I can imagine, yeah, he got, I mean, he got Brad Pitt in there. Yeah. James Gandolfini. Oh, God, it's an all-star cast. Dennis Hopper. I mean, just when the credits are going up at the top, you're like, Jesus, really? Also, Tony Scott is a big director. Yeah. Definitely a big director. So at the point of this film coming out, what's Tarantino already done? Reservoir Dogs was out. And Reservoir Dogs, is that the first thing that he directed himself? Yeah. So he wrote this with another guy called Roger Avery, who worked with him in the um, video store. They both worked together and they both wrote like films. Roger Avery had wrote like 50 pages of true romance and he gave it to Tarantino. He went, have a bash. Can you come up with anything? And he handed back Avery a 500 page script and it was two films merged as one. It was true romance and when they sort of go on the road, that's that, the other half was Natural Born Killers. So it was both films together, and they ended up splitting and making two different films. One was True Romance, and one was Natural Born Killers. And he sold the script of True Romance so that he could 
make Reservoir Dogs, and he also bought um, a red convertible, and the same red convertible is what John Travolta drives in Pulp Fiction. So that's what he did with the money. Stats. So we have... Um, we've got a scene, haven't we, before he goes off to kill the pimp, where he kind of gets told that as long as he doesn't leave a weapon and as long as he doesn't leave a trace, he was never there. Now he does leave a trace because the guy dies with his ID in his hand, doesn't he? And he just doesn't think to pick it up. But he thinks, you know, he's as good as away with it. He's in love. He's newly married. And they've now got half a million pounds worth of cocaine. So they take to the road and he goes, he, he's heading to see one of his friends, isn't he? Who's an actor in LA. Dick Ritchie. Good name, Dick Ritchie. Well, his name is Richard Ritchie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I watch a show that he's in called Atypical, um, which is like a Netflix show. And he plays a character called Dick in that as well. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> Follows him around. But yeah, so they're heading to him, aren't they? And basically the premise is he's going to help them get rid of all this cocaine interesting scene in the phone box yeah random but it, it, it just needs another scene to show how much they are in love i wouldn't necessarily want to watch that with my mother-in-law though i have to say uh, she won't, <laughs> won't, won't bat an eyelid she's seen it all before not bat an eyelid it's fine it <laughs> is bizarre how you kind of do believe that these characters are so in love especially when she has been initially paid to go and meet him and they instantly fall in love and have to have this bond and it's it's weird isn't it because it seems like the fact they've got half a million quids worth of coke doesn't really matter to them and we meet another character don't we called henry um who he's been put in touch with through his mate is it henry or is it ed elliot elliot closer <laughs> on the on the roller coaster oh your head would fall off well it leads us to a great story really doesn't it ben of the last time the three of us were on a roller coaster oh you're very good at them, aren't you? We talked about this, I think. That yeah. that we went... Where were we? Alton Towers. Yeah. You said the one, the pinball one, was a kid's ride. Well, the pinball one is a kid's ride. It, it wasn't... I don't think that was the bad thing. I think the pinball was a decent warm-up. I think, <laughs> It wasn't a decent warm-up. I think... My stomach was out <laughs> of my ass. I lost my necklace on that ride. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> you did, you chilly did. necklace. My gold chain fucking yeah. went. I think the bit where me and Jack crossed the line was when you were struggling and you told us that you didn't feel well. I came off that ride <laughs> and as friends, I said to you, that wasn't a kid's ride. I feel dreadful now. <laughs> and you went, I'm not going to go on another. <laughs> it was literally what you said. I want to go home. You fucked it. Hour one. I want to go home. And you two were laughing at me. And I think we said... The Smiler is a kid's ride. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what you did, which is very smart. You don't show me the whole ride. No. <laughs> you won't let me watch it. You go in, you know, when you queue up, you can't yeah. really see it, can you? Because you're under this thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I think this is bad. And just before we went on, you, Colson, you went, it's got 22 loops or something. I was I'd like, never been on oh, it before. I'd never, never been oh, on it. Was it was awful. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> that scene. I was thinking, how would you shoot that scene? Ben, they did. They all got on the roller coaster oh and filmed it. God. Like it was three days on that roller coaster. And the actor calls who plays Dick Ritchie, Michael Rappaport, I think. Yeah. He suffers really bad with motion sickness. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Me and him. Like Ben. And he goes round on one and you can see the cuts between. 
he looks really, really ill on one cut and then it cuts again and he looks like dazed and confused because he had loads of like tablets, motion tablets. Where was it? I imagine that's out, must be some rollercoaster place in LA, like red flags or something. What a great way to have a negotiation. It was meant to be a zoo. Oh, was it? Yeah, and Tony Scott says, nah, I think it's more thrill-seeking than that roller coaster." Best part of the film for me. So what we find from it is Elliot might have a contact for them. Elliot's boss is a big-time movie producer who deals in cocaine. He deals in cocaine because he distributes it to actors, to colleagues, and dabbles in it himself, really, doesn't he? And basically, that's who they want the introduction to because he knows he's got to get rid of this gear. He doesn't want to sell it street value. He needs to get rid of it as quick as he can. And then the plan is that him and his new wife are just going to go into the sunset, run away to Mexico and have the best life ever, aren't they? Yeah, but on the flip side, we we find out that the gangsters are after them because they've gone to his dad's home. With that great scene, though, with Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. Yeah. It's like Tarantino's warming himself up, isn't he? Mm. He always gives a monologue. He does certain things within his films. A standoff, a gunfight. Well, that story, he got told that story from someone who was living with him at the time before writing this film. Like, the late 80s. Sicilian story. The Sicilian, yeah. And basically, like, where they come from and everything. And there was a guy telling him, and, and the story was just sort of, like, mad and just sort of stuck with him. And he thought it was crazy. And he told that same story to a Sicilian man. And he had no idea. And his reaction was funny. And he thought, this is this is a, a mad story. And he went, I've got to get that in a film somehow. But it is similar to what you're saying about... Two characters talking, but each with hugely different agendas. Hopper knows he's going to die. Yeah. Walker knows he's going to kill him. And in that story, it's clear that Hopper is not going to tell Walker anything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that that's the bit, isn't it? As Hopper's basically saying... Because there's a bit before we walked on set, he basically says something along the lines of, you're telling me nothing, but you're telling me everything. Mm. So he's like, your body language, blah, blah, blah. So he kind of goes, do you know what? I'm going to go out in style here. Like, I'm going to offend him to his core. Yeah. And it's it's really cleverly written, great dialogue. And then, yeah, bang, dead. So they're on their way. They're trying to get their gear back, aren't they? Yeah, and they know that he's in LA. Yeah, they know he's in LA. They're chasing him. The producer, classic in the Porsche, loving it, talking at cross-purposes about making Dr. Zhivago. I'll meet you in the hotel. I really liked the dialogue where they're talking about a drug deal, but talking about making a film. I thought it was really clever in terms of the kind of code talk, blah de blah. And he was good as the producer. I like him. Yeah, as the he producer. was good. Well, what's he called? Levi Donowitz, and the name stuck out. I thought Donowitz. Where do I know that name? And Tarantino always has this sort of like universe of Tarantino films, and they're all sort of interlinked. And Donowitz is Donny. It's Donny Donowitz's grandson. So Levi Donowitz, yeah, his granddad is Donny Donowitz from Inglorious Bastards, who's the bear Jew, who is Eli Roth, who kills everybody with the bat. Oh my goodness, that's his granddad. Wow! Wow! Yeah, what a universe he's created there. A jolly one, clearly. Yeah. And, and also, <laughs> Alabama. Her name pops up in Reservoir Dogs. Mr. White's character used to go on uh, bank robberies and, you know, liquor store hold-ups with Alabama. Oh. It kind of all builds up to this um, 
drug deal handover, doesn't it, at the big fancy hotel. And basically, the idea is that Alabama, they they think they're going to make their money. They think it's a done deal for them, don't they? The other guy's turned... He gets caught, doesn't he, with a bag of coke that sprays all over his face. It was quite funny. Brilliant. The cops, brilliant. Those two cops, yeah. very good. Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore. Good cop, bad cop. Very funny. Off on their own. I mean, that's the other thing Tony Scott does as well. Is obviously, he's gone, yeah, just do what you want, lads. Yeah. They're having a right old laugh. And they did. They did ad-lib a lot of their scenes. Their interrogation of Elliot, they just ad-libbed. Oh, did they? Yeah, just interrogated him and just throw stuff at him when he's worn the wire and there's a bit in the lift where he pulls the gun to him and they go he's testing you he's testing you you can see them go I don't think he is I don't think he yeah, is he's yeah, like yeah. keep strong keep strong keep strong he just, he's not got a clue that was a good scene actually in the lift yeah double bluff it's like well it's not a double bluff it's almost a triple bluff in it yes he's going to shoot him he's not He's a, and then he goes I could really do with some help yeah I could really do yeah. with some someone help right someone come and now. get me someone come and take me away <laughs> and you're like dude you're not doing a fucking good job of hiding it are you yeah but but he hasn't got a clue has he as to what he's on it's, it is funny so they're in the hotel room aren't they going to do the deal yeah meanwhile the Italian mobsters, Gandolfini. Well, that's it. We've jumped Gandolfini. Gandolfini's absolutely been shotgun blasted to death in the Safari Inn by Patricia Arquette. But I suppose it's that thing again of they're then bonded, both bonded by killing. Mm. It's that bonding again of a couple, isn't it? He finds her, she's killed him. Yeah. They're bonded in this... It does feel very, at times, very Shakespearean. They're built, they're in this pack together now. They've gone so far down the road. Their romance is is born in blood, really. Mm. You could see them going on and being like a serial killer couple, couldn't you, for the rest of their life sort of thing. Like it's the thing that's bonded them together. Yeah, they're not getting out of it. They've gone so far down, they're not getting out, are they? So they end up in their hotel room. Yeah, it's quite obvious that it's all going to end in death as well isn't it because there's four gangs there's them doing the deal there's a producer who's buying there's the italians who want the drugs and then there's the police so it is literally you know it's going to be a big face-off isn't it yeah i mean it's a it's a gunfight the okay corral isn't it everyone's coming together literally everyone's going to start shooting and blasting each other classic tarantino and it's classic guy Ritchie, really yeah something like that with gangs almost good the bad and the ugly yeah really nice start to it in terms of how the producer is so cool and so relaxed it just feels like they're just going to do a deal and it's going to be over with and it is just going to work doesn't it and then next thing you know the police come in don't they as soon as soon as he mentions drugs <laughs> the police the police come in and then that lad folds almost immediately he puts his hands up and he goes doc sergeant something or other and, he, and you can see chris ben going yeah shut the fuck <laughs> oh, up shit shut yeah. up and he blows it straight off so then the producer that was a good bit when the producer realized you're finished in this town you'll, you'll never work yet. again you'll never work again and random that dick is literally just still there chilling because he knows that he might get a job out of it eventually <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen is it and it is a classic of they've got guns pointing at them we've got guns pointing at you then all we need is someone to come in from behind and point guns at them, which they do. Mm. All this time, 
our boys in the toilet, isn't he? Minding his own business. With yeah. Elvis behind him. Talking Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, yeah. Is that who his imaginary friend yeah. was? They changed the name. They, they never reference him to as Elvis. It's always like the king, something like that. Because they didn't want to get into a lawsuit with, you know, the Elvis Presley Foundation or whatever, yeah. But it is almost that fight club alter ego, isn't it? Mm. It's almost like, yeah, you should do it. This is what you should do. It's that feeling to it, yeah. Uh, so the shooting starts and it's an absolute shit fest, isn't it? Shit Feathers, fest. which I think if you're going to do a shootout, let's get feathers in. in I don't know where all those feathers come from because there's an awful lot of them. It works well, doesn't it? Well, everyone hides behind the couch, don't they? So the couch gets blasted. But there's still more feathers than one couch. Well, come they've, on. They've Artistic license. When does he get shot? He comes out the toilet door, doesn't he? Yeah. He pops his head round the corner. Chris Penn look. shoots him. Yeah, and he gets a bullet in the corner of his head. Yeah. And she thinks it's gone through his eye or something, doesn't she? Well, he, he has an eye patch, doesn't he, eventually? Yeah. In the original script, he died. Ah. So Tarantina killed him and she went off on her own with a child. She's pregnant. She has the child and she goes off in the sunset and then she starts doing uh, bank heists with Mr. White's character in Reservoir Dogs. Why did they not kill him? Well, obviously he sold the script. So the script's then the property of Warner Brothers and Tony Scott and he, and he got up to that point in the film and he didn't want to kill the main character. He'd grown to love them and he wanted him to... He wanted the heroic ending of they get away with the money and they live a happily ever after life together. Are we coming to the point where we take a break and then we come back and rate it? I think we're there. Let's take a quick break and when we're back, we'll give it our ratings. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, ratings. Jack, I guess, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll start us off. Massive fan of this film. The only person I think that lets it down is Christian Slater. I think everybody else is a knockout performance. She's fantastic. She's amazing. That moment when James Gandolfini is in the hotel room and she giggles 
is a brilliant actor choice. You also grow to love her. Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. She becomes more likable every scene, whereas he becomes a little bit more annoying. I, I just think he could have done something else. He could have had an edge. He could have been a bit off. Do you know what I mean? Like a Travis Bickle, I think yeah. Tony Scott has nailed it. I think it is that feeling of, it's a bit like that Clark Kent, trapped in a comic book store, mm. never had an exciting life, never done anything on his birthday. Suddenly, this is the life you can have. Oh, wow. Let's go. You're right, Jack. He doesn't do that. He's not a serial killer. He doesn't give us that intention enough. No, he, I think he just sort of plays everything a little safe. I don't know. I don't know with Christian Slater and the role... The producer originally wanted Steve Buscemi, and Tarantino, I've said, wanted somebody else. Has Tarantino never said who he wanted? Yeah, he wrote it with Robert Carradine in mind, and he's also worked with him in Django Unchanged, and it just would have been interesting to... I don't know, because I don't want to take anything away from it, but I am nitpicking. I do think it's a brilliant film, but I also love... That Tarantino, he always does this in his films. He gives he gives everybody a chance. Everybody gets their bit. Everyone gets their own speech, their own character, their own. Do you know what I mean? There's no bit parts. The whole cast plays um, together, and uh, I'm gonna go rating. I'm gonna go nine point seven for me. That's big, big, big. That's that's uh, your girlfriend's favourite film rating. No, it, it is. But it's one of mine. It is one of mine. It's And yeah, 9.7. I think I've got her. Really big. Price? Uh, it's not my favourite Tarantino. Uh, I think he develops as he gets older, which I think is very interesting. I think Tony Scott's done a very, very good job. I totally agree with Jack Slater. I think it's unfortunate because he is uh, unfo- surrounded by brilliant brilliant performances i mean the fact that those actors probably have a few pages of dialogue and you go oh my god hopper out the park walken out the park gandolfini out the park arquette out the park really really strong performances i don't think he's strong enough to carry the film i don't think he's mad enough to carry the film it makes it feel more mainstream with him in it yeah yeah it makes it feel it's sort of watered down. Uh, look, it's a good film. Definitely a good film. Music, very good. The beauty of that f- relationship, but underneath it, just an absolute awful mess. It's built on a really sh- bad rock, that relationship. So I think I'm going to go 8.5. For me, um, first time I'd ever seen it. I'd obviously heard loads about it. I think I probably appreciated bits of the film more than bits of the writing. I don't quite know why that is. I think sometimes with Tarantino, it does all overwhelm me a little bit, unless I'm unbelievably into it. Mm. Um, like, I really liked the bit with the roller coaster. But then, again, I I did really like the bit, of the you know, the monologue about the Sicilians, like, yeah. which is pure acting and is pure dialogue, isn't it? It's clearly a very good film. People obviously love it. For me, I think it's one of them that comes in at like 7.5. I wasn't blown away, but I did like it. Sorry to Jack's girlfriend and all the other tens of thousands of people. I'll tell you what's interesting and what Jack says is, if he did talk to Christian Slater at the start and went, oh no, you're off there. What did he start like? What did he start like? And you know you know what it's like that already day one, your confidence is probably shot. Yeah. Because you're thinking, well, this was my instinct. That's not right. It's this way. 
And I felt like it makes complete sense. He didn't quite have a grip on what he was playing. Whereas Arquette did. Like when she loses it, you go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She can lose it. Anyway, there we go. So what's that in total? 25.7. It's a good piece of pie. (laughs) There's other Tarantino films and there's probably other films of a certain age and a certain ilk that have just really sat with me and kind of blown me away a little bit. Whereas that, I was like, yeah, it's good, but it didn't blow... Like, like now I have been blown away by films because of some of the ones you've made me watch. Yeah. I think you're kind of always looking for that next bit, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, but that's good. Listen, what was it? 25.7, did we say? Still good. And, you know, we've ana- analysed it to what we found not the strongest bit. And Jack admitted that. So it's not like... Yeah. Look, it's a very, very good film. It's just that that bit. But then you do realise certain actors really do turn it on. Even Pitt. Even oh, Pitt. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, amazing. He's done something with it. You remember it? Actually, ad-libbed everything. Yeah, well. you remember him. Yeah. Um, yeah, very good. So that's enough of the film. Now it's time for the big segment that everybody loves. However, last week, Jack, I think you need to start with a public apology. I do. Because we've had quite a lot of people getting in touch. I got some fucking flack, didn't I? Yeah. Jesus Christ. And it's still, it's still ongoing. Um, me and Ben, we checked the messages to see what people were saying. It's Jack's hidden gem. Yes, it fucking is. It is yes, hidden. It fucking, yes. Go find that, you schmucks. <laughs> go fucking find Have a go at that. What's it on? The Netflix. It's fucking not, is it? It's not on the Amazon, was it? So let's go back a week yeah. where you set the film of what? Uh, every breath you take. <laughs> what I love is the way you said it. It was so confident. Yeah. I went, it's on Amazon Prime. It's free. It's free to watch. It's on there. Is it bollocks? It's not on I there. went to look for it. Yeah. And then that's when I texted. I went to look for it. I thought, oh, I'll watch it. And I'm like, I can't find it. And what is it on? It's on Sky Movies and it's on Now TV. Now TV. That's what it's on. <sighs> Oof. Oof. Yeah. Let's start on a clean slate. Let's forget about last week and let's hit the jingle. Jack's, Jack's hidden, hidden gem of the week. I get higher. I've got complete BG. Um, yeah, what's your hidden gem of the week? Film, documentary, what are we at? We're going back to docs. I thought, play it safe. After the mistake of last week. We had a little fucking holiday and it went wrong. We all got fucked off. We went camping. We tried it. It went fucking wrong. I'm not doing that again. We're in the hotel. (laughs) We're in the hotel this week. I'm not pissing about. I need a bath and a shower and a proper loo. Right, so we're back to docs. Thank fuck we're back on docs. (laughs) The doc this week, it's on Netflix. Is it? It is on Netflix. Right, good. Okay, I think you both have watched it. It's called Tell Me Who I Am. Yes, I was talking about this at work the other day. It's about the identical twins and one of them has a bike accident, motorcycle accident, and loses his memory. Oh, yes. Yes. I watched this on a plane. Yeah. And after watching it, the woman next to me turned around and said, are you okay? (laughs) What are you doing crying? It's big. It's a big, big watch. Okay. It's an hour and a half. It came out a couple of years ago. So the film sets up with... A guy, motorbike accident when he's 18 years old. He wakes up in hospital. The only person he recognises in in the room is his identical twin. And it's his brother. He says, hello, Marcus. And he says, hello, Alex. And that's the only thing he knows. That's his brother. And that's that's it. That's all he knows. He doesn't know his mummies. Doesn't know his daddies. And his brother 
is left to sort of rebuild his memory and what he remembers. But then there's certain things that his brother leaves out and chooses not to tell him. Mm. And whether that's right or not, it all comes to a front in the documentary. It's one of them that you literally do have to say, just go and watch it, isn't it? Oh, just go and watch it. The, the least you know about it, the better. Yes, exactly, definitely. It is that. Let's not talk about it anymore. What's it on? Netflix. Tell me who I am. So, next week is where we give the audience a chance to pick the film at home. Big votes this time. Lots of people voted. Lots thousands you're almost disgusted by that then. yeah because thousands of people i suspect voted and i don't know who's won but i'm right fucked up <laughs> <laughs> one of us is very happy so um the semi-finals were priscilla queen in the desert which i have seen the musical of so i would think i would quite enjoy mm. yeah versus captain phillips yeah captain phillips won quite comfortably by about 600 votes so Ooh, Captain okay, Phillips okay. went into the final semi-final number two was Shallow Grave which I've not heard of before Danny Boyle Danny Boyle film versus Paddington 2 oh we all know where this is going we know where this is going don't even read it out don't even read it out Paddington 2 won by over a thousand votes god ask it. so your final oh. is Captain Phillips and Paddington 2. Don't draw it out. Don't. It's not now, the Oscars. All, all I want to say is when Paddington came up, I was really happy because I think it's a really good film. But let's see what the audience think. Winning. <laughs> That's absolutely bollocks. You know what's fucking won. Winning <laughs> with 60%. Oh, God. Paddington 2. Paddington 2. Paddington Which is good. Which is good. Which is good. End quote. End quote. <laughs> it's a classic, which is good, Colson Smith. Join me on my comedy tour while I tell my one tractor joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hugh Grant's biggest film, is all I'm going to say. Is it really? <laughs> is it's it really? the biggest and best performance. What? That's universally known, or that's Colson Smith? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm putting it out there. What's the first Paddington? Paddington won. Sure. It probably isn't <laughs> as good. It's Peter Capaldi, Paddington won. Oh, hold on. Is Hugh Grant an actor in it? Yes, it's really actually, good. Actually, yeah. oh, it no. really good. Oh, no, actually, he's quite good in yeah, that. Yeah, this that is a thing. We're going to watch it, and we're going to go. It's, it's he's good. actually quite good. Right, well, next week we're watching that, so we'll be back here to do the review. Whilst I'm on the old Instagram checking the poll um, votes, just to tell you how far we've come, it shows us memories, doesn't it, of what we did on a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Two years ago today, we were watching Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, fucking hell. I remember that night. And look, we've got big progression. We've gone from Cheaper by the Dozen to Paddington (laughs) 2. We've moved on. We've moved through the classics. Flying. Um, I just want to take this time to tell you that our bonus episode on Monday where we tell you what you can watch on terrestrial TV also has a lot more in it now. It's kind of our letters from home episode where Ben reads out all the reviews from home. We find out what you guys think of Sofa Cinema Club. 
We're also running a competition in that where we give you guys a chance to win a trip to the cinema on us. That's gone down very well. Yes. And yeah, it's quite a fun episode now, isn't it? We've kind of got the hang of where we're at with that and what we're doing. So it's it's a good one to be involved with. And remember, if you want to feature, all you've got to do is get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram or leave us a review on the iTunes store. Leave us five stars. Write a few comments and Ben will read it out. Someone left us 10 stars. Oh, wow. They did it in an emoji form. Five plus 10. I'm like, that very good. Very, very, very good. Um, so, yeah, we'll be there on Monday. But you can join us back here on Thursday where we're talking all things the classic that is Paddington 2. Until then, <laughs> good night. Good night. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.